This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. Do you think we need to include a spoiler alert uh, for, like, I, for any Loki chat? I don't know if we do. Well, anyway, let's just... Yeah, and if you're, if you're concerned about finding chaos within a podcast, you should probably Look out stop listening now. <laughs> <laughs> Hello and welcome back to the Stadio Podcast in Ringer FC. I'm Musa Kwonga. I'm Ryan Hun. Ryan, how are you doing? I am all right, thanks, man. How are you? <laughs> I'm a bit bewildered. Um, are you? Yeah, it, it's so strange being back. I mean, a month, it feels like a universe away. Yeah, it was. we took a little bit of an extended break, huh? But um, been pretty relentless for a while. So. <laughs> yeah, and the good thing is nothing's really happened in our absence. So no, it's been quite quite summer. So slip, you can slip good, back actually. into yeah, slip yeah. back into yeah, Every, yeah, same as it ever was. Yeah, absolutely. In the words of uh, the great David Byrne, <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> did you go too much in the, in your break? Uh, I read quite a lot, and I ate quite a lot, and I caught up with a lot of really good friends and well I caught up with really good friends a lot not a lot of really good friends because I don't have a lot of really good friends uh, <laughs> but yeah how about yourself uh, okay thanks man I did a, did some reading I actually I actually read your two books that came out this year because I, <laughs> I haven't been reading much this year at all um, so I managed to read your two books and they are very very good well done I mean not that you need me to tell you this and oh, I've thanks. already told you but you know, publicly for the record, they're bloody great. Good job, man. Oh, thanks, man. Much I haven't read Striking Out yet, though. Unlike Stephen Fry, who nailed it in one sitting. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, looking forward to that's coming out uh, September. Yeah. Nice. But yeah, other than that, I just tried to kind of do some life admin and, you know, domestic stuff, like sort some some bits of the apartment out, and I didn't manage to do much. I think I told you I did a trip to Ikea, and it was terrifying. Yeah. You can never, never go alone to Ikea. It's overwhelming, actually. It, it is two, really it overwhelming. Needs, it needs but at least two pilots. Then it's kind of like, it's a weird one, Ikea, because if you go alone, then at least you can kind of burden the stress on yourself. Whereas if you go with someone else, 
it fractures it it can fracture a relationship i think it depends on the energy you bring to the space i think if you go with a high energy it enhances you and if you go with a negative energy it exposes all i think ikea basically is like it's the looking glass i think if you if you peer into ikea it reflects back what, you, what your true state you gotta is. You've got to do Ikea trips like Doom on one beer, man. You know, plot trips like robberies. In exactly. One, two, in three. Nobody's three. <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyway, new season. Stadio is back. Ringer FC is back. I yeah, was on yeah. Wrighty's house on Wednesday, first Wrighty's house of the season. We did, uh, we did a mailbag. It was really fun. But yeah, we are now back with you. Stadio twice a week, Wrighty's house every Wednesday. The odd bonus episode in there. Speaking of which, thanks to everyone who has been tweeting us since the news broke that Leo Messi would not be returning to Barcelona this season right, to right. do an emergency podcast. We deliberately sat back and didn't do it because, well, first of all, we couldn't do it on the day that it broke because neither of us were available. Right. Secondly, it was one of those ones that new information was just going to come out like right. so quickly that we thought we'd wait, see it all kind of settle and then talk about the thing as a whole. Can I say as well, we could conceivably have done three different podcasts since the news broke yep. and they all would have been out of date within 40 hours. We deliberately didn't even talk about it. We haven't yeah. actually spoke about the messy situation on the phone, which is weird for us. Yeah, oh, that's no, right. We nearly did. We nearly did. Was it yesterday or the day before? We nearly did. And then yeah. we were like, I think I actually cut the call short. I was just like, dude, let's stop this. Yeah, save we're it. do the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So today we're going to talk about Leo Messi. Yes. In part two, we're going to just do a little bit of, not really a preview to the season, but almost like a, Things that we're looking forward to, yeah, in various various leagues. But before that, you know the draw. Admin, new season, same admin. Yes, absolutely. The most important bit of admin is that we hope everyone is doing safe and well. Everyone is staying safe and well. Everyone is yep. safe and well. All staying of the safe above. and well. All of the above. Exactly. Choose your listen. <laughs> all are welcome. All choices are welcome. <laughs> uh, getting vaccinated if you can. If you listen to Stadio, don't worry about what's in the vaccine. <laughs> <laughs> theringer.com forward slash soccer Phillips had a piece go up about Messi uh, an immediate piece yes Michael Bauman wrote a really good piece about the La Liga CVC deal oh wow I need to check that there'll be other bits and bobs going up yes, we'll be yes. back in the writing thing this season other admin I suppose that now we're back if you like what you hear and you'd like to give us a rating or review on the podcast app that you listen to if it allows you to it'd be very kind Stadio Outro's playlist on Spotify yes now the episodes are back, it will mean that all of the tunes we play out with each episode will be added to the top of the playlist. Search for Stadio Outros on Spotify, follow that. And uh, that is everything. That is indeed everything. Shall we? Uh, Let's do it. Let's do it. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. All right, man. So we spent the summer watching Loki. We did indeed. So did Ian Wright, as uh, people who watched his Euros coverage may have noticed. Can attest. Yep, yep. Now, after the finale, spoiler alert, skip on a little bit if you don't want to hear Loki stuff. When the news broke that Lionel Messi would not be re-signing with Barcelona, this very much felt like the moment in the final episode of Loki where he who remains says, 
we've crossed the threshold. That is exactly right. So we did a big podcast last season when Messi handed in his transfer request on Barcelona and the things that led to that point. So if we can, let's try and steer clear of a lot of the stuff that we talked about on that episode because it's yeah. a lot of it's the same. Yes. I think there are two major differences between this season and last season. Last season, there was no sign of the Bartomeu administration ending anytime soon. And there were big signs that the club was running away from what a lot of those players knew. Yeah. This season, I think it was different because I genuinely don't think he wanted to leave. Yes, yes. Um, to, to the point where he said in an interview with Gillan Balagay, which is really good actually, you know, that he, they, him and Antonella, his wife, had told the kids that they were, they were staying before Christmas. And I think that this season, compared to last season, where it, was a, it was very much, I think, a power move last season. I think it was a bit of a win-win for him last season where he, the club was either going to kind of just crumble and he was going to move on and go yes. and play somewhere else. Mm. Or I think I actually tweeted at the time, this very much feels like a power play to, to get Bartomeu gone. Yes. And that's what ended up happening. You know, Barcelona didn't have a president for what, five months? Bartomeu was gone in October last year. Yeah. So let's start from the beginning when the news broke. What was your initial reaction? Because my initial reaction, I think I actually tweeted this, was my gut feeling is that he'll still be a Barcelona player in September. So it's funny, I had a weird feeling. I, I knew he was gone this time. Really? Yeah, only because the first thing is that events had overtaken him in mm. relation to Barcelona's finances. And the second thing I have to say is that Leo Messi also has perhaps the most tragicomic football career of any modern great. It's, it's very interesting that there's almost this kind of, you know, I didn't have nothing other than a kind of hunch, but I thought to myself, Leo Messi's career has been so subtly cursed because this is someone that's brought so much joy to billions of people over the course of his career, like billions, right? In terms of events of joy, mm. people have experienced. And I just thought to myself, it would just be so poetic and so perfectly cruel for Leo Messi to come back from winning the Copa America yeah. and then have to leave Barcelona. Without and the fact, a chance yeah. to say goodbye to any fans. Leo Messi set off on that flight to win the Copa America in COVID-ridden Brazil, not knowing he had, not, not knowing he had already kicked his last ball for Barcelona. That, that right there, see that right there, I thought to myself, yeah, this feels like, it feels like the end because this feels like the kind of thing that Barcelona could get wrong. The one thing I'll say about this is, right, you know, like in football, you know how football so long seemed immune to outside oh, yeah. financial forces, mm. right? Spending kept going up, transfer fees kept going up, salaries kept going up. Football felt immune to the credit crunch. And it's almost like this is, foot, this is major football's, elite football's first credit crunch. And it, had to be somehow it just made sense that it would be Leo Messi that paid the price for it. It just I mean a lot of people yeah. will hear that and be like, oh my God, how has he paid the price? You know, he's earning mega books at PSG, he's earning 25 million euros a season after tax. Money is only one part of it. Yeah, it makes a it makes a move far less cruel or far less um difficult to stomach. However, this is a family who have left the home when they didn't want to. And I know a lot of people will not give a shit about that. And a lot of people have brought up um, in the last week, have brought up the issue of player wages. Yeah. And uh, almost as like an argument to remove any sense of kind of compassion or empathy for footballers or athletes in general in this situation. And this has always, this has been a common trait over the last few years. Whereas like you can think, you can, the two things can be true. You can think that players' wages are too high overall. Personally, I don't think it's the fault of the players that they are because right. they're not the people who sign off on them. Yeah. But also, 
the fact that it was so sudden and it cut and it wasn't his fault. I know that he's wanted to leave before, but I think that Kevin Williams actually wrote a piece last season when the whole messy thing was happening, saying that he would probably leave on a free this year, which I thought was very prescient. Yeah. But the thing is, then again, I mean, the thing about just to jump back to the football side, where well, we are on the football side, but it's all kind of, you know, Barcelona, it, even the football is political. The way that Leo Messi bonded with those young Barcelona, the young players mm. in the Barcelona squad when they won the Copa del Rey felt mm. really significant. It felt like if the yeah. ship was going down, he was going to go down with it. And it felt like he was really looking forward to, I guess, mentoring and bringing on that generation of players. And the pieces they brought in around him were genuinely quite exciting. Like whatever happened this season, I felt excited by it, especially with Real losing Ramos. You know, it felt like a kind of Barca versus Atleti for the title mm. and the Champions League, you pick your poison. It felt like he'd re- not resigned himself. It felt like he'd, um, he was looking forward to a different kind of retirement at Barcelona than he envisaged. One with maybe fewer trophies, but maybe with kind of more, almost like the joyfulness, if that makes sense. And I could, you could see that in some of the late era, the late era, gosh, the late season games. It was, it was late. It was late era as it turned out. I didn't know, yeah. If we'd known, yeah, no one knew. And there's one comment I want to say before we move on. The comment he made specifically about how there have been no fans in the stadium for the last year and a half and I didn't have the chance to say goodbye. Heartbreaking. That's absolutely heartbreaking. And a lot of players have been through that over the last couple of years. And I think that it's something that I don't think people should underestimate how, how much that can upset players who genuinely love the football club that they've been playing for. for I mean, what, has he been there 20 years? 21, yeah. And there's a lot going on with, with Messi and Barcelona. There's so much going on. But one thing I will say, and this is, um, so a book I read over the, the holiday was uh, Simon Cooper's The Barcelona Complex. Mm-hmm. It's extremely interesting on various issues. The one thing that really, really stood out was that, we said this before, the problem is if a football club is not aligned, if the, if the on-field issues are not aligned with the off-field issues, if the objectives are different, they're headed for disaster. And the reason that Barcelona have hit their financial iceberg at the moment, and that ship is avowedly sinking. The reason this is happening is because, as Simon does lay out in his book, there is this tension between the kind of ownership, membership, and the wider context, right? So there's kind of the, the internal power play of Barcelona. I know I hesitate to bring politics into it, but see how British politics no, you is- don't. A little bit. Don't I had lie. To- Okay, okay. Come on. We're on like 100, episode 176 or something. Okay, I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> Let's, I hate to use this particular political analogy because some feel that it's done to death. But you know how the UK's political situation has been completely destabilized by effectively the internal yeah. workings of the Conservative Party, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's basically a bit like, it's basically a family feud that's basically destabilized the entire wider context. The internal, you know, the Barcelona tensions are complex in one way, another way they're not. They're not, they're complex because of the various power plays but they're also not complex because, in a sense, the internal workings and machinations of, of that membership and aspects of it are not directly aligned with sporting success on the field. Mm. And that's what really comes through. And what concerns me so often, it, it, let's talk about Messi, um, dependence on Messi, but it goes deeper than that actually, Ryan, is that this group of players, we said this before, this group of players spoiled the executives. You know, Bartomeu, he came from a wealthy family who made their money basically making those, is it those bridges that connect jets to terminals, planes to terminals? Oh, that's wow. the world. Bridge. Nice. Yeah, yeah that, that's the world that he comes from. And now he's gone into the world of negotiating contracts and transfers 
and it is vastly out of his depth. And, you know, this is the problem I've always had with football, Ryan, is that a lot of the executives would not get jobs at the equivalent level on the open market. Like what Barcelona never did, Barcelona never built the Leo Messi of boardrooms. They never had a Sergio Busquets level director or a Gerard Pico level president, if that makes sense. They, in, in the last few years, that is at least, they didn't have in the last six years the same excellence in the boardroom that they had on the field. And it became ultimately too great a weight for the players to bear. Like there are only so many heroics you can do to pull your team out of jail if your executives aren't monetizing what you're doing. I mean, it's absolutely shameful that we've seen, in my opinion, the greatest club side of all time. I can't imagine there ever being a greater club side than this Barcelona. I go that far to say that. And they wasted it. Well, I, I wrote a thing about this on Twitter saying that the Batamo crew was so bad at running a football club that when they arrived, they had, in my opinion, the greatest club side yeah. of all time. Yeah. And a decade later, it's ended with them losing in my opinion, the greatest player of all time on a free transfer because they literally cannot afford to re-sign him or extend his contract. Having a load of people who to kind of just like run away unchecked with with stuff like that. Like in, in Simon Cooper's book, for example, we were talking about the the signing of Dembele. And yes. the, 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 the signing of Dembele, I feel really sorry for Dembele and I actually really feel sorry for the individual players who Barcelona have signed to these in these incredibly poor transfer deals because it's not really their fault. Like if Barcelona come, come calling, basically everyone wants to play for Barcelona. Right. You've kind of come through the Real Madrid ranks. It's not their fault that, for example, those transfers haven't worked out as in the way that they could have. I think yes. that if, for example, the transfer fees had been a lot more reasonable, half of those players wouldn't even be really an issue at Barcelona. I don't right. think. If, if Dembele had cost 70 million, for example... I don't think he gets anywhere near the shit that he gets. With the Dembele thing, it shows how poorly this club was run above uh, playing personnel in terms of, like the gist of it is, I won't spoil it too much, but the gist of it is that like Barcelona had a minimum amount that they were going to pay. Dortmund were just basically like, this is the amount. What was the term you said they had to, the thing they used? They said they had Dortmund, they, they arrived in Monaco um, to negotiate with Dortmund and Dortmund basically said, we haven't got time to negotiate. We need to get on a plane. And they were like, this is, you know, this is the figure. <laughs> and they were like, and Bartomeu and they were like, yeah, it, it was, un, it was, un, it was unbelievable. And even what's so strange about it is the player that they identified, the way they identified Dembele was so bizarre. There was Mbappe and they were like, oh, Mbappe plays only for himself. Let's get Dembele in. And they're totally different players yep. at totally different stages of development and physical robustness. And you see it and you're like, you know, a young player who had a room to develop was thrown to the wolves. Yeah. And it's, there's an, you know, we talked about duty of care in football. There's duty to care, there's duty of care in relation to players that you bring into that space. That's what they were doing. And it was, it was actually irresponsible on a level that is, um, it angers me, Ryan, like, because, and that sounds dramatic to say it, but look, you are basically putting people out as custodians of public entertainment. Barcelona is more than a club. Okay. It is more than a club because of its history and because of its present in terms of what it means to the region. It is more than a club. It's a social institution of immense value. And the custodians of that institution were irresponsible in relation to the finances, but also in relation to the people they brought into that space to preserve it, to perpetuate its, its aura, its, you know, its, its dominance. And also, to, this is something Lee Roden said on Twitter as well, because I, I was looking going, 
you know, Real Madrid gets all this stick for being the dramatic club, but I thought actually Barcelona in its own way <sighs> generates an astonishing amount of drama. Yep. And you know, we've discussed this once before in the podcast. I want to just throw it in quickly. And I said this before, like one of the kind of milestones of this, the sacking of Andoni Zabizarreta was part of that whole process. They sacked him in 2015 and it felt like an omen at the time. And he talked mm-hmm. about the way the club was being run and the issues he had with it. And they, I think Barcelona transfer ban as well from FIFA. And he said, look, I'm the sporting director. I get the blame, but there are other things going on here mm-hmm. that aren't my fault. And I really, you know, there are several s- spots in Barcelona's decline, but this felt like, you know, you know, when Bolsonaro basically just torched the Amazon, that, that felt like Bartomeu's like torching the Amazon moment. It felt like that. I, I mean, I, I think there will be case studies in, in years or decades to come about the pure recklessness of how the last decade of Barcelona football club or a football club Barcelona has been run because you had, it is a absolute textbook case of like being given all the tools to do something brilliant and completely fucking it up. Right. Looping it back to Messi, because we, we will uh, touch on the PSG thing properly in a sec. Yes. But <clears throat> the one thing I wanted to address was that the, the, his wages in there, the, I've seen a few arguments about how, yeah, but actually, no sympathy for this guy because the amount of money that he's taken out of the football club in the last however long has been crippling. Yes and no. So yes, there are a lot of money that he gets paid a lot of money, Lionel Messi, an obscene amount of money. But he is probably the greatest player of all time. You look at Barcelona's wage bill and it's not Messi that's the most eye-watering on there. It's some of the other players who are nowhere near the level who are getting paid, who Barcelona have agreed to pay a quite frankly obscene amount of money to in addition to a huge transfer fee, like if you look at the Barcelona transfer policy, Dembele, Coutinho, Griezmann. If Barcelona hadn't paid any of those, hadn't paid any money out for those players, what they'd be nearly four hundred million euros better off, and probably and, better, and, better, and probably be better. better because they yes. they had they would have had players like Carlos Alenia would have got more time. Thank you, thank you for mentioning. Thank you for mentioning. They had to ship Carlos Alenia off to Getafe on a permanent deal. Unbelievable. For less than ten million euros. Extraordinary player. Extraordinary. Because because yeah. they literally don't have anything. At the same time, they let Artur go to get in Pjanic at this stage of his career, which is super weird. Like the transfer policy of Barcelona over the last, specifically since they won the treble, actually. Yes. I was listening to Second Captains on Wednesday and Ken went on a really good point. Very, very similar to, do you remember when we did that podcast? I can't remember when it was. It was like, might have even been the back end of 2019. And you said the line, the Neymar transfer broke Barcelona. Ken was kind of touching on it. He did a, obviously a very Ken thing, but he kind of went back to that. Right. And I think that he mentioned something, or maybe it was uh, uh, Kieran mentioned that they had Sid Lowe on at the time of that transfer. And Sid said, what Barcelona needs to do right now is nothing. Yes. They just need yes. to sit on the money because if yes. they go and spend it now, they will spend it recklessly. And what did they do? They spent it recklessly panicked. It broke Barcelona in so many ways. This kind of feels like the end goal. Do you know what I mean? This feels like the end moment of what PSG were trying to do with the Neymar transfer. I think, <laughs> I think what Ken said, the words that Ken said were, have you ever seen a, a bigger example of one club absolutely leveling another one? That is such a great point. They did that. They've just absolutely they signed a marquee player and then a few years later, they signed their greatest ever player on a free transfer because they couldn't afford them. 
despite giving them over 200 odd million euros and breaking the transfer record a few years before. Barcelona fans are absolutely heartbroken by this. Like genuinely heartbroken. It feels like a death for a lot of them. There is like Sid wrote an amazing thing on The Guardian about how there's a void that might never be filled here. And the worst thing is is a void that was utterly avoidable. This is the worst. The the spectacular naivety of buying Neymar and then not putting a 800 million euro buyout clause. The spectacular naivety of all of it. And the only reason, this thing, it took a thousand naive decisions to break these Barcelona hearts. A thousand of them. And the reason why all those decisions were taken by that board is because if you look at the competency of those people, it's entitlement. Yep. You know, that person offered me a job, friend or friend offered me a job. It all got very, very cozy in the boardroom, right? Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden the, board, the boardroom is full of like plankton and there's a killer whale waiting at the door. Yeah. That is what happened. And the frustration with this is just, I'm sorry, I just... I, it really, really, um, it bewilders me that we could have the treble win in 2015 and a load of people in the boardroom would look down at that. And it feels like almost biblical or like the fall of like an empire mm. or something where all these empires collapse and within. Victory's defeated you. Yeah. Like Bain said, yeah, victory has defeated you. You said it actually, didn't you? You said it. it's almost like the treble defeated Barcelona. It was the, so it was the seeds of the downfall. Yeah. And it's led to something that is, I mean, I want to I just add in one caveat here because there'll probably be, and I get it, there'll be a lot of people who will be listening to this and be like, what the, f- what the hell are you two on about? Like, right. yeah, they'll be like, stop so what? being so pathetic about it. And I totally get that. But I think that we, we're not Barcelona fans. We have admired various iterations of the club over decades in the same yeah. way that we've admired various iterations of many football clubs over, over the yeah. decade. Well, yeah, we have been alive for decades. Sorry, that was just a... <laughs> Simon and Garfunkel plays. <laughs> but I think the, the thing that I find sad in this situation is that you have someone there who had all the tools and all the conditions to be a one club player. Yes. It just looks weird. Like it him, does look- him, him, him out there and in, in the PSG kit doing kickups. It's like, it just looks really video- really weird it's like something yeah. i never thought i would actually see and this is why i actually said like my gut feeling is that he'll still be a barcelona player because right it was one of those things that was so unimaginable that you just thought they ha- la liga will probably you know la liga don't want him to go la liga need messi in the league but they stuck firm like and to the point where the spanish football federation now has deemed that the cvc tv deal uh, illegal so Real Madrid are like suing the league. The Spanish Football Federation have deemed it illegal. There's all this mess going on in in, right. in Spain at the moment and they've lost their absolute prize asset from the league. Can we talk about that prize asset for a second? I wanted to get back onto the money thing for Messi in relation to the salary. So a lot of talk about why doesn't he play for free or less? He couldn't have played for free because, well, A, there's a minimum salary anyway. So he would have had to be paid the minimum salary. But the problem was it wasn't the salary anyway. It was the fact that they, Barcelona literally could not register him after January unless they got within the threshold of the salary percentage to turn over. And crucially, they knew this they for knew months. They knew this for months. Like Laporta and that admi- administration are also to blame because they've made transfer moves that they can't register anyway. They absolutely must have known this. They must have known this from January. Of course. So but they thought every, they so, thought there was so going to be a different rule for them. Yes, yeah. yeah, for that that's that's the key thing. More than a club will get treated differently. 
Right. As soon as the January de- uh, the January registration deadline hit, because Messi was out of contract at the end of the season, even if they'd agreed an extension before the end of the season, they wouldn't have been able to register him because they were too far over the maximum threshold. If they had been within the threshold, so therefore a percent wage percentage to turnover. So 70%, isn't it? That's yeah. the threshold. If, yep, they'd, yep. if they'd said had been 65%, they could have signed an extended. Right but they couldn't because they were over it. And the league rules prohibit that to safeguard clubs from basically going under. So if they knew this in January, they know the rules, like they have to, then it should have been full speed ahead from January. Problem was that you didn't have Laporta in there. Laporta didn't come in until March. Quite late, yeah. But still, but still. I think the thing that's so sad about this is like, you have arguably the greatest player of all time, leaving the club that he didn't want to leave, purely because that club the mistakes that that club has made along the over the last five or six years, potentially going back a decade, has meant that they literally could not he- extend his contract, even with him agreeing a fifty percent pay cut. It's wild. It's absolutely wild. Yeah. And now he's at PSG. And imagine being a PSG fan right now. Imagine if I I was born in Paris in nineteen eighty four and I grew up a PSG fan. Right? Wild. And I've yeah. seen and I've just seen Lionel Messi sign for the club that I support. I think it's different for PSG because they haven't had their moment like, well, that's not true. They had, they had where Ginola and Rai in 95, yeah. but still in terms of their moment, like, you know, as a Manchester United fan, I'm not going to lie. I would still feel sad if Messi had, had come to United. I think there would have been that, there would have been a pause. There would have been a pause of this saddens me in the same way that I was really saddened when Zidane you know, got sent off in 2006 because it wasn't the fitting way to go out for mm. a player who'd given so much to so many, right? And then there would have been, after that pause, the excitement of Leo Messi as a Manchester United player. There always would have been that kind of slightly, the sense of it hadn't, you know, you, you want a player to come willingly to your club. That's the thing. I think that's the one reason why I might have a pause before my euphoria. You want someone to be desperate to be joined, delighted to go there, as opposed to Messi in a situation where he's like, this is the best possible place to win my final Champions League and also this club can afford me. So there is, there, I would, I w- if I will say this, as a United fan, if he'd come to United, there would have been that kind of, wow, great Leo Messi's here, but also like, he's not thrilled to be here. Like the Di Maria thing, same example. Mm-hmm. Same kind of thing. Di Maria came to United and I was excited at the time. Yes, but I was also like, this man looked so happy in a Real Madrid shirt. The last time I saw this man play where a Real Madrid shirt, he was tearing through a defence in the Champions League final and putting him out of the match performance. This person doesn't want to be here. So there was an element of that with Di Maria and I think only magnified with Messi. Do we need to get into the geopolitical stuff about it or does it, I assume everyone knows. I mean, in relation to the ownership of PSG and Qatar, one thing I do want to say about this is what a spectacular victory for sport washing. The Qatar project in relation to, you know, building soft power, influence and building a more benevolent view of the country, this has been an extraordinary step forward for Massive them. coup ahead of the World Cup. Absolutely, yeah, I think absolutely. if you think of the places that they would have, that if you think of the places that Lionel Messi would have probably only been able to end up, it would have been, what, PSG, uh, Manchester City, Chelsea? I don't think Chelsea could have afforded him, actually. I'm not sure. No? With their structure, yeah. And also, in a funny way, you know, Tuchel is so contrarian. He probably wouldn't probably have wanted, wouldn't have wanted him. him. Yeah. <laughs> Tuchel is the one, he's one of the few managers. And we can talk, we'll talk Chelsea in the next part in relation to what I'm looking forward to this year, because I think they are 
it's going to be terrifying, frankly. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, Tuchel's probably the one major manager at the point at this moment who'd be like, mm, no, I don't think we could, don't think we need Messi. I think football is fundamentally broken in the sense that you shouldn't be able to gather this and much talent in, in one lineup. Yeah. We know this though. I've said this before. I've said that, you know, I'm, I don't know, am I a football socialist? Yeah. And like I want, I would love to, I would love there to be more options. Like I would love Mbappe, for example, to have the possibility of going to Napoli or to go to Dortmund or to go to Ajax. I would love it if European football had more options for top players to go. I would love that. I think it would just be great for the sport. I think it would be a, a better sporting a better sporting spectacle overall. Yeah. But I think that's me being extremely naive and wishing for a time that's probably never going to return. Mm. In a purely, okay, I want to see how this goes thing. I'm extremely excited to see how that PSG side plays. Do you know I'm interested by? I'm interested by who disrespects them first. That is what I'm very yeah. intrigued by. I want to know who is sitting there rubbing their hands together. Do you know what it'll be? It's a shame that Arsenal are in the Champions League this season because with Mikel's, with Mikel Arteta's love for right-backs, yes, that's PSG's like weakness. Hammer them down that side. Yes. We're going to see a lot of diagonals. We're going to see a lot of <laughs> diagonals. <laughs> <laughs> PSG midfielders need to do a lot of neck exercises because they're going to be turning their heads a lot this year to watch those diagonal balls to the flanks. There are only really two places, like you said, that Messi could have gone I personally think Chelsea could have maybe, but I think that the two definitive places were obviously Manchester City and PSG. Like that to me is, means that something is, I mean, we've, wow, you know, what a hot take, something's wrong with football. But it's a real shame that Messi could have only gone to two places, realistically. My gut feeling is that he's probably going to be there for a couple of years and then he might go back to Barca. That would be amazing. I tell you what's funny. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that was kind of, that's my secret hope still to get his retirement moment. Um, I just want to say in relation to Barcelona, Barcelona, I, think, I said this to you yesterday, you were saying how the Neymar transfer was an earthquake. And I said how Messi was like the new, because like a mm. new going off. And for Barcelona's finances, this is a nuclear winter, right? And, and in terms of the fallout, mm-hmm. you know, what this is going to do to Barca in the early stages to the, the long, the medium to long term, that's kind of frightening. I, I am concerned for them for the first time because there was always this thing before Ryan, where big clubs got bailed out, you know, Atleti with a massive debt and, you know, banks were quite relaxed about it and they were quite relaxed about rail. I'm not sure. I think La Liga getting really tough on this way does the turnover ratio. I think we're in a new that's a big shout. We could be in a new era with football finances and teams could go to the wall, clubs could go to the wall, not necessarily Barcelona, that we wouldn't expect to. We might expect, you know, we, in, not just in Spain, we might see in this era clubs going to the wall and not being rescued, actually. I'm not going to lie, I'm, I'm concerned. I've been concerned for many years, but I'm more concerned now. I think when you, when you witness a club of the stature of Barcelona having to lose the greatest player in their history just because they can't re-sign him on, a, on half his wages. Right. We're in bleak times, but that's their own fault. Yeah. It's no one else's it fault. It's their own fault. It's, the, it's their own fault for mismanagement. And also for Barcelona as a club, I think this feels like the worst possible outcome 
However, it hasn't fixed, it hasn't provided a solution. It hasn't fixed the problem. They've had literally the worst outcome and they still haven't fixed the problem. Like they can't, at the time, at the time of recording, they literally cannot re- register any of their new signings. I think I, I, would, I would not be surprised to see Aguero leave already. I would be, I, it wouldn't surprise me if Aguero never played for Barcelona. Right. You know, he moved there to play with Messi. Like you, you think of all these players, like you think of the youngsters who are coming through there. Like I think it will ultimately get a little bit better under Laporta now he's there. But I'm not entirely convinced that this is, that Laporta 2.0 is the same as Laporta 1.0. With the vision. No, I'm not yeah. sure. Because he fixed Barcelona massively in his first run. This is a completely different problem. So much has changed over the last 15 years, six, well, 17 years, I think, since he first came in. They've got a hell of a lot of work to do. And it's going to be really, really interesting to see how this plays out. But I mean, you know, what a coup for PSG. The only thing I will say for Barcelona, the only, the only hope there is there is that they have perhaps the most exciting generation of young players they've had in a while. And one of the most exciting anywhere in Europe, actually. Yeah. Ilya Petri, Ansu Fati and Ricky Puj all coming through, I think. Uh, That's extraordinary. They've got obviously Frankie de Jong there. Yeah. They have incredible opportunity and what they need to do. It's, it's funny how these things can be solved, but it, it's got to start with the football, actually. It's got to start with the football and build outwards. They've got those limited pieces. Well, no, so they've got those limit, they've got limited room financially. Well, no room financially. Even if they lose those summer, those, those signings they brought in the summer and those, you know, Depay in particular was a really great acquisition. It's a shame mm-hmm. that he might have to go or not play for them. I'm going to be bold and say they still have enough to be dangerous in the league this year, even without the additions, because you bear in mind that Real Madrid have lost Sergio Ramos. Atleti are the big danger having signed Rodrigo de Paul. But effectively, it should still be Barca and Atleti for this title in terms of the race. Uh, did we do it all? Did we do all the messy stuff? We can never do all the messy stuff. This is the thing. This is the thing. This is this is the point to make. It's too big, I man. Think, the timelines. The timelines gone crazy. The trick is this: Have we made peace with it? I think we've made peace with it. We've made peace with. I have our initial treatment. Well, never truly made peace with it, but yeah. Let's take a break. Let's do it. All right, back from the break. Before we move on to looking ahead to some things we're looking forward to this season, props to Canada's women winning their first gold medal. We mentioned it on Wright's House when we gave flowers to Christine Sinclair. First gold medal in Olympic soccer in 117 years. Love it. And uh, it's led to really, really important pushes now to professionalise the women's sports leagues in in Canada. And I really hope that goes through because Canada's sports women deserve better. And I hope that happens. Congratulations. Shout out to our Canadian listeners. Looking forward to winter coming so you can all remind us of the temperature whenever we complain how cold it is. (laughs) <laughs> they love it <laughs> Canadians love a cold weather complaint don't they they love it on this podcast another area of uh, our listenership who don't even need the cold weather to drop complaints Chelsea fans <laughs> congratulations on winning the <laughs> 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 oh we're just teasing yeah another trophy for Thomas Tuchel he's doing alright huh not bad not bad eh not bad at all. Everything, like I said, I'm right his house. Everything's coming up. Thomas Ducal. Props to the US as well for winning, for following up the Nations League by winning the Gold Cup. Yeah, the men doing um, doing great great work there. Exciting times over there, man. Very much so. Great crop of players. Yeah. Shout out to Brazil winning the uh, men's. Oh Olympic yeah, of gold. course. Yeah, Danny Alves. Yeah, Danny Alves coming through. Congratulations to Pedri on playing every game of football available. In fact, I was looking out the window today. 
in the local park and Pedri's having a kickabout. <sighs> Unbelievable. <laughs> he was back at the Barca training ground yesterday. Unbelievable. Someone send him the fuck home. Three Pedri. weeks minimum. Go and sit on a beach, Pedri. Go back to, go back to uh, Tenerife. But there's football Not happening. No, Pedri. No, no Pedri. there's always football no, happening. No, no. I'm, <laughs> I'm really worried about this, actually. Like, he needs yeah. an enforced break. Like, he really, really does. Because we've seen how often players who come through at that age and play at such a ridiculous clip from a really, really early age, how much they burn out later in their career. Like something yeah. like Fabregas, for example. Prime example. Uh, anyway, right. Football's back. Did it ever go away? No, it didn't. I don't think it did. Never. It never, never did. Never did, yeah. So that means Musa's back. A villain that makes he who remains Kang the Conqueror look like Pikachu. Pikachu. <laughs> Not even an evolved Pokemon. Musa, the scariest villain in the Ring of the universe. That's right. And even I could not be as chaotic as football itself. He's lived a million lifetimes. A million lifetimes. But one thing I have not lived is the season to come. And the season to come... Have we crossed the threshold? I think we have crossed it. I think we crossed it when Romelu Lukaku decided to join Chelsea. Oh, this because transfer terrifies this. me. Terrifies I, me. I want no parts of it. The one thing that Chelsea were missing last year was a focal point for that attack. And now, quite frankly, wow. Because Tuchel will know how to use Lukaku. This is the thing. Uh, as an Arsenal fan, Chelsea terrify me. Yeah. As a neutral, they're going to be super interesting to watch this season. They really, really are. They really, really are. I'm looking forward to them. But if you think, Jadon Sancho moved to Manchester United. Remember when that happened? Yeah, right. That was just a thing. Just, just another <laughs> thing. Yeah. Rafael Varane. Varane moved there. Varane's on his way. Has he been, is it a bit official yet? It's not been announced, has it? Uh, yeah, the deal's been announced. The, the wild thing about United, though, is that we haven't bought a defensive midfielder yet. Sounds strange to say it, but we're, we're not, we haven't strengthened in the key area. As awful and weird as it sounds, the, the defensive midfield is everything. And I don't know how hard we're trying. I'm sure we're pushing at some level, but that is, you know, that should have been the first signing of the summer. Maybe, maybe Rand's going to play there. <laughs> Oh my goodness, yeah. Move Harry touch. Maguire up there. Put him on penalty duty. Harry Maguire needs to be on penalty duty for Manchester United this season. Oh yeah, right. For everyone. He needs to take... Maguire, Varane. Actually, I'm looking forward to seeing that as a centre-back partnership. Yeah, that's I am got, as well, actually. That's but got I also think tools. it's a little bit harsh on Lindelof because I don't think he's anywhere near as bad as people make out. But he's it's not, not... But saying that, he sh I think for him, he should be a backup centre-back at Manchester United not a first-choice centre-back. And it's more the complementary pieces. It's more what Maguire and Varane bring as a pairing, I think, which is yeah. the key. I think Maguire's going to have a really good season for Manchester United. I've got a feeling. I think he was very, very impressive in the Euros. One of England's best players. Um, I'm intrigued about Man United. I'm giving Marcus Rashford a break, getting his surgery done, hopefully him getting a rest and coming back injury-free and pain-free. Yes. I think Man United with Sancho have enough to, obviously Sancho's not going to feature for a little while because he's only just started training. Manchester United probably have enough to cope with the early stages of the season before Rashford and Sancho return. And Pogba coming off an outstanding summer. Yeah, yeah. Um, obviously City <clears throat> signing Grealish, which I think is a, we, we talked about this in detail on Wrighty's House, but if they get Kane as well. Is that, that the thing about Kane though, the reason why I haven't really mentioned them as being a fearful force yet, a fearsome force at European level is, again, it's the focal point of the attack that's the challenge for them. They need a striker. If they get, I think they actually really need Kane. They do, they do. Like, weirdly, they could, maybe they'll take Aguero back. It must be a bit, well, that wouldn't be the worst thing they could do, but they need to be, 
I'm sure they're concerned about the striker situation. Yeah. Uh, anyone else in the Premier League that you're really looking forward to seeing this season? I'm, looking to, I'm intrigued about Villa. Actually. Leicester as well. Leicester, I mean, Leicester always though. I mean, Leicester signing Vestergaard for 15 million from Southampton is such a good bit of business. Shame he's leaving actually because I think he's, he was really impressive in the summer as well. Yeah. Patson Dacca, got to say Patson Dacca yes. at Leicester as a striker. Really intrigued coming from Salzburg. Brentford, yeah, really hyped about them. Just a great, just to have them in, in the top flight is just awesome. I really don't like doing previews too much because I think so much of it is just speculative yeah yeah for sure but I think in terms of what I'm really looking forward to I'm really looking forward to how this Premier League season is going to go dynamic wise because like I for example I actually th- I got told off of being too optimistic on Wrighty's house but I actually think that Arsenal signings have been quite smart this season I agree I think they need more but I think that they've been very smart Lukonga in midfield looks like he kind of totally belonged and I think him and Partey and Xhaka will be a really good three actually and we'll give Arteta options in terms of how like systems he wants to play. Hopefully Tierney can stay fit. Uh, I think Ben White, even though a lot of people raised eyebrows at the fee, I think there's a really good uh, video that Joe did on TIFO about the comparative value of Varane and Ben White and how they're kind of costing each club similar. But because of Ben White's wages, because they're far lower and he's younger, it actually works out pretty... It's, it's a really good... It's a really good uh, yeah, yeah. Video. He's looked good in preseason. I'm not sure about the Ramsdale thing. I don't think that's going to happen though, because I think Sheffield United have, have priced himself out of it. But uh, I saw a tweet from Andrew on Ask Blog raising the possibility of maybe going after someone like Neto at Barca, which I think is a good shout. That's interesting. Yeah. Got to say as well, I'm interested if a Premier League club jumps up for Ilaix from Barcelona given mm. his wage dispute issues, because that feels like it could be a good, a he's good the, asset for someone. He's one of their most probably profitable assets to sell I think yeah. which would be a shame but still what do you think about Spurs Spurs made some decent signings like Brian Gill coming in I think is such a great signing that's great that's, that's great they need, they need that attacking heft is Martinez, Honestly, is Martinez confirmed no 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 still a conversation ongoing still ongoing if they get Martinez though as well that means Kane's gone right they're cooking with gas and maybe that's the thing maybe that's the move they're trying to make the play for Martinez knowing that Kane will dick his heels in for the move yeah, I can't say I'm thrilled by by Spurs coming into the season only because of the style of the football that Wolves played towards the end of Nuno's time in charge. Um, and I know he was constrained by other things, you know, expenditure, but, you know, I, I just want to see Spurs play on the front foot this year. You know, I want to see them play some expansive football. Mm. That, that, that won't happen for a few months just because of all the new pieces they've got coming in. But yeah, let's see. I'm excited for them just because I want Deli Ali to start doing things again. And that's the thing. He's got a new lease of life now because you know, Deli Ali was how quickly football changes linked with the PSG move at one point. Oh no. That's unlikely to happen now because they're just stacked. They were stacked even before Messi arrived, to be honest. Oh yeah, yeah. So now it's a chance for him for a bit of a rebirth, I guess. Yeah, I was mentioning in the Right House WhatsApp group. I'd quite like player. to see him at Leicester. That's such a great signing for Leicester if he goes there. I think it could, if, I mean, if, there. They, if they flip Madison, like for example, if, if Madison goes, which I don't think he will, to be honest, but if he does, I don't know. There's something about Rogers who just makes me think he's going to, you know, he could be, I think I said he was the, the Delhi whisperer. Yeah. <laughs> he's just a great coach, isn't he? Yeah. Do you want to do top four predictions? Or should we? No, 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 no. <laughs> I want, I want, no, I've learned my lesson, Ryan. I've learned from you. I've learned from you, Ryan. There are takes that are still following from 2018. I think so, Arsenal uh, will not make the top four. <laughs> <laughs> Can I just jump quickly to Serie A 
Mm. I'm excited for Atalanta. Atalanta strengthened in defence. Demaral from Juve, like, and they're looking, I think they've got a new keeper as well. So they're, Atalanta are like, we know what we have to fix. I mean, have you seen that how, how much Inter have had to offload this season? You know, Hakimi going to PSG. We didn't even mention the Hakimi transfer at PSG, which is probably, weirdly, even though they've got Messi, Probably the most important in terms of what they actually needed was Hakimi. Yes, absolutely. Right yes, absolutely. Yeah, you're right. You're completely right. But Inter, I don't think, are going to get anywhere near winning the league this season. And this is why I'm interested in Atalanta. I'm interested this time. I think they're going to go for it. They, I think they are, they are going for it. Look at, their, look at their transfer business. They've strengthened the areas that they had to. They've got that new crop coming through of attackers. They basically replaced Gomez and Ilicic almost seamlessly. That's incredible. Their entire centre of attack and gravity has been replaced fundamentally. Mm. That's fascinating what they've done. So I'm excited for them. And Juventus, again, in a period of sort of transition again, or adaptation or whatever you can call it, evolution, whatever you call it. I'm excited for what Atlanta can offer this year. I mean, you remember, Illich is still there. He is, well. absolutely. But in terms of the kind of attacking shift and emphasis. Malinowski's come through really beautifully. Mm. Zapata, they've now got other tools, players that can step forward and do the job and not rely on him. You know, he's still, he's still a conductor, he's still fabulous, but the succession is in place. That's how you manage the succession of a squad, what Atlanta have done. That's really impressive. I'm really not wild about Allegri coming back. You know? No, me neither. I, th- I think he'll restore order to chaos, mm. at least at domestic level. And I think that Juve are the front runner just because he's there. But I just think they fall short in Europe again. It, look at the way that Porto drew them out. Porto drew them out because they knew that everything went through Ronaldo. And that is still, you know, that's a problem they have to solve. They shipped out Demiral as a defender to Atlanta. So they've shipped out, you know, a good defender, waking themselves at the back. So I don't know with you, I think I think they are the favourites in the league, but I think they fall short again in Europe. To be honest, like Milan might be looking around at what's going on in Serie A this season and be like, yeah, we're good with this actually. Same coach. Tomori on a permanent, which is yeah, great. Not lost he anyone was massive, right? Giroud added, the addition, addition added Giroud, of Giroud is, I think is, is an amazing addition. Very, very good signing, yeah. He's an amazing addition because the one thing that Milan lacked last year was a handsome front line. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, a man that beautiful, yeah, yeah. But the great thing with Giroud's addition is they've got so much speed around him. Mm. They've got Bram Diaz's return now for the second part of the loan um, from Real. They laid off um, Hauger to Eintracht on loan, which I think was a mistake because I think he was a really great playmaker for them. So that was a good piece they lost. But I don't think that Rebic can play as the out-and-out nine. I think he needs to play off someone. I think that's a really good thing for their attack. So Milan will be dangerous again. The thing with Milan was, unfortunately, they did find their level last year. That was the one thing I would say about them. They didn't have the extra gear when it came to it. I think it's Juventus-Atalanta actually this year. Do you? Yeah, I do think it is. Because even look at the Coppa Italia and that final and the way that it was almost like an armrest. It was almost like a kind of, it, was, it felt like a trailer for the next season because Chiesa obviously coming back off. And like, look, let's I mean, also yeah, not forget. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Let's not forget Italy are bringing the confidence of having won the Euros. So what that, what's that going to do for like Insigne and players within the Italy squad that won the Euros? What performances are we going to see? So we might see like breakout years and players that are coming back that have won. There's a lot of talk about Insigne potentially going to Inter though, which would be a weird, weird move. Yeah, but Serie A is going to be interesting just to watch just because of the energy unleashed by the Italy victory at the Euros. And we've also got Mourinho at Roma. Uh, do you know what? I'd completely forgot that that had even happened. Yeah, it's, it's, it's wild, isn't it? Jose Mourinho at Roma. I'd like, literally forgotten for, for momentarily that Jose Mourinho had gone to Roma. So what kind of drama is <laughs> going to come out of there off the field? Plenty. 
because you know there'll be all kinds of conversations from him and shenanigans. Can you imagine if Roma win the league? Part of me wants to see it. The chaotic aspect of me wants to see it. I think I think Serie A is going to be super fun this season, and I actually think it's going to be a little bit gnarly. Yeah, definitely. I, I agree. think Mourinho's just going to kick off with everyone because he can see that the throne is vacant now. He went there expecting to have to go up against that Inter. Conte, yeah, yeah, and it's not there now. And now he is. Mourinho must look at that, even though they've lost. I think Jeco to um, to Inter, which is a problem for them, obviously, because Jeco, fine player, good signing still slightly under, that. Still slightly underrated. Yeah, absolutely. But I think Roma could look at this as an opportunity, and they should. La Liga, quickly. Oh, well, we kind of talked about La Liga a little bit. I think it's Atleti and Barca still, but I also think Sevilla might make a charge this season. If you think they were, they were really in for a shout for the league towards the end of the season, they weren't far behind at all. They've they got brought themselves back into now. the race. They brought in Lamella. Two most stable clubs there, what, like Atleti and Sevilla? That's wild, yeah. Atleti have got to be the front runner again, though. Like I, I said, bringing Rodrigo DePaul. Yeah, they DePaul have to DePaul had be. a brilliant Copa America I mean, as well. He was incredible in the Copa, yeah. I th- I mean, if they win a back-to-back title, that's incredible for Atleti. Given the current state of Barcelona and Real Madrid, as we mentioned, you know, Real Madrid might not have a few key players to start the season. Atleti just need to get themselves in front again. Yeah. I don't know. There's something that intrigues me a little bit about Barca. I mean, on Barca, another sign of incompetence is the fact that they've got white letters and numbers on the back of their home shirts. What's going on? Abomination. If I'd seen that home kit, I might have bounced. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, fuck it I'll go I'll go PSG they've got a nice I want to wear that Jordan kit to be honest PSG's kit is lovely this season like um, even with the, the the Chicago Bull shorts yeah yeah the one thing I want to see from Barcelona the one that interests one thing interests me there's going to be at some point in this season like a leadership speech from someone not like from PK but from the new guard it's going to be like a leadership speech and someone's going to come out and say something as a rallying cry after some victory. And it'll be like a post-match interview. It won't be Spike. It'll just be like, this was the first day we played like the new Barca. This is the, someone will come out and say, it'll be like, it could be Frankie, it could be Pedri, whoever it is. And I'm really looking forward for someone to be like, to give that and then the fans to be like, yeah, let's go for it. Like, let's go for it. Like, I just can't wait for that moment because it's going to be someone. That is why I'm so gutted that Carlos Lenny is not there. Oh, that, that really is. I'm really angry about that. Like on a football, yeah. That's a bad, bad piece of business. It's a horrible piece of business. In the fallout of any big footballing transfer or any upheaval in the club, there's always someone that slips out the door mm-hmm. unnoticed who's outstanding and, and Elena's that guy. Real <sighs> shame. Yeah, That's a, that is a shame. Um, anyone else you're really looking for? I mean, I'm excited to see how David Alaba does at, um, at Real Madrid. And also, you know, if the rumours are true, could have a Kylian Mbappe. They can't afford him. It's a huge mistake if they let him go. It's a huge mistake. Yeah, it will be because you don't need the money. And you don't have a focal point for that attack. You let Mbappe go and I think you actually struggle with their current pieces. I think they'll probably be fine overall, but I think it might. I mean, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's a weird one. I think, I think he'll, I think he'll probably go there next st- season, right? They can't sign Holland and Mbappe. Madrid, not even a year's time for the money. But actually, this is something that maybe we can we can transition to in the Bundesliga because Holland stays, obviously Sancho's gone, right? There's a lot of change at Bayern. I like Dortmund's business a lot this year. Dortmund have signed really well, like getting Marlon in for that really? money it was really, really good. They got a new keeper, new centre back as yeah. well. And I think that if Rosa can get him going, I think Vatska said something about how like, yeah, Rosa just feels like a Dortmund manager. Honigstein said as well in his recent piece of Athletic how 
this is perhaps the best mood we've had since Klopp in terms of the energy in the, in the camp. And that's, that's saying a big, something. That's a big, big shout. I'd be extremely, extremely excited as a Dortmund fan because I feel like they've, like you said, they added the right pieces. And you've got a rotating cast of Reyna, Makoko and Marlon. You've still got Marco Royce there as well. Who had a really good season last season, Marco Royce. Yeah, phenomenal actually. Like yeah. really looked good towards the end. Dortmund, I'm excited for them. I am say. as well. Yeah. Yeah. I think Leipzig are going to be... Yeah, they got Andre Silva, didn't they? Andre Silva. Getting Andre Silva from, uh, from Eintracht is a big signing for them. A massive signing. The, the only one thing I'm just... I think the main question mark about Leipzig is Jesse Marsh. I think if Nagelsmann was still there, I think I would put them as title favourites. Can I say this as well? Can I apologise to Liverpool? Because we've just talked about Leipzig and haven't mentioned the fact that Canate's gone to Liverpool. That was, a, that was such and a that good could signing, do, that, man. That could do quite scary things. And so Liverpool, we didn't mention them in our preview. Of, but I think Liverpool are so good that you expect them to be up there but anyway. But that's such a good signing because I remember, I mean, we talked about it before we finished the season though, I think. So Canate yeah. was the one to emerge before Upamecano. And he was linked with Arsenal, I think, in 2018. Yeah. And I was just I was praying for that transfer to go through. And it was cheap as well. <laughs> so, I mean, it was yes, yes, cheap. yes. But no, he's he's legit, man. He kind of had some injury problems and fell out of fell in and out of the dorm, uh, the Leipzig side a little bit. But he's going to be legit. Like Upamecano and Kanate, I think, are the future centre back pairing of that France side. Yeah, it got to be. I agree. I agree. I think Wolfsburg, Wolfsburg are going to struggle this year. Glasgow did such a great job with them last year. Yeah, I just That's don't really get the Van Bommel thing. They've already started by, they. I don't know if you've seen this, but they're under, uh, they got in trouble because they fielded a sixth substitution in extra time in the cup game at the weekend and they weren't allowed oh, to no, because no. in Germany you can't make that sixth substitution. You can still only have five. So that's got them in a oh, bit no. of a pickle already. It's really hard to call in the Bundesliga because there's so many like managers who have moved to different places, but within so that many top variables. six, it's really odd. Like It's really quite odd. I think it's going to be good though. I think it's going to be really good. Um, I'm really, really excited about the Bundesliga season. This I knew I was excited when I went past um, a local bar and they were watching, I think, Heidenheim against Rostock. Mm. And I just stopped and like looked, I craned my neck. I hadn't watched any football at all since, you know, going on the break. And the excitement was there. And I'm like, wow, like I'm ready to watch a really good season again. Yeah, I'm same. ready to watch this again. It's most of it. I think we, I think we got it. I think we're all joyed up. Yeah, we'll see. Obviously, I, previews are tough, man, because it's just like, it could, I mean, my hot take for last season was that Arsenal would come top four. <laughs> <laughs> so it shows you how I've much learned, I like doing previews. I've learned my lesson. People will be disappointed because they're waiting for me to do some hot takes, but actually I'm keeping conservative this time around. Is this the more conservative variant? We've variant, exactly. <laughs> He's vaccinated. He's lost his touch. He's lost his edge. We will do previews of some of the women's football stuff, I think, on Wrighty's House. Because we've got new additions on Wrighty's House. Bioa Quadri and Flo Lloyd Hughes have joined the Wrighty's House gang. Great additions. Probably the best transfer business of the summer. Absolutely, yeah. Got them on free transfers as well. I think we're good. I think that's everything. I feel very much, I feel this was very much like a pre-season friendly. Very rusty. Are we match fit yet? I think we're Absolutely we okay? not. Are you kidding me? <laughs> we match fit last year at any point. Yeah. Have we ever been <laughs> match fit? Yeah, that's true. That's true. Oh, while we were away, it was our second birthday. It was. Thanks everyone who wished us well. It was yes. actually last week. Was it last week? It was last week. Last Thursday? It was, so yeah, it was a week ago today. So thanks to everyone who wished us well. Uh, right, let's get out of here. We've been rambling. We're back on Monday. Yes. And we'll be talking about football. Vibes, vibes. That has actually happened. <laughs> Actual football. Actual football. So yeah, we hope everyone's staying safe, staying well. Looking forward to the football coming back. Already, It's already back. I have no idea what's happening already. 
but it's good to be <laughs> back. Uh, don't forget to check the ringer.com forward slash soccer at Stadio on Twitter, Stadio Football on Instagram, and yeah, Stadio Outro's playlist on Spotify. First tune of the season that we're playing out on is an absolute classic from Rennie Gaia called Be There in the Morning. Shouts to Athens of the North. They've allowed us to use all of their back catalogue this season. Amazing Lovely. reissue label. So yeah, anything to add, Musa? Sorry, I forgot to say. No, it's good. No takes. Nothing at all. No? A clean bill of health. Yep. You don't yep. want to tell me how you paved the road. I just walked down it. <laughs> Listen, no conspiracy theories. You've got to warm people up to it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, much love, everyone. See you Monday. See ya.